All right, welcome to another podcast edition of White Collar Crime. Podcast where we show you the only color that truly matters in our criminal justice system is green. I'm Ryan Horn, your host. Great to be aboard with you as always. You know, it's always encouraging whenever you see young people trying to be entrepreneurial, I think. Just last weekend, I was in Springfield walking uh, two of our dogs, and a young kid comes up to me and asked me if I wanted to buy a couple popsicles that they were selling. So I had a couple bucks on me, and I did, and came back and brought one back for the wife and said, you know, it's really good. They're hustling and really trying to, you know, make something now. It's always encouraging when you see that. Um, and the overall majority of kids, I think, that branch out like this are legit and just trying to make extra money. But... That's not always the case, and that was certainly not the case with a famous 1980s whiz kid by the name of Barry Minko. Now, Barry was famous for Z-Best, and this was with four Zs, a carpet cleaning service that he started and was actually legit starting out, but ended up kind of branching out into a very large Ponzi scheme. Now, Barry was born in California just uh, to a Jewish family and he worked at a carpet cleaning business with his mother his parents to my knowledge anything I've ever seen they were not wealthy just basic uh, salt of the earth working middle-class folks and uh, she got him a job there as a telemarketer as a teenager you know trying to work and hustle for the carpet cleaning business so he got an early exposure to the carpet cleaning business and industry as a teenager And this inspired him to start his own business in their garage, which again was Z-Best with four Zs. I mean, that certainly stood out, which, you know, was a good marketing technique on his part. But he was so young when he started it, he actually did not have a driver's license. So he had to be driven around to the carpet cleaning jobs that he had booked by some of his friends, friends that were a little older and did have driver's licenses. Early on, though, some of his bank accounts ended up getting closed when the banks found out that he was a minor, which I, you know, when I saw this story, and this story is on American Greed also, I I was kind of puzzled how he was able to get bank accounts anyway, how they later discovered he was a minor. I'm not sure. It never has really been disclosed. You know, he was a master fraudster, as we'll see here in a little bit. So maybe he figured something out, but it, it never really was said how he managed to get these bank accounts open as a minor. But once they figured out, you know, by law, they had to shut him down. You know, a 15, 16 year old that he was at the time simply cannot uh, operate a bank account, own and operate and, and sign and open one up. So his business was facing an early collapse. So that's when he put his really what seemed to be instinctive fraud skills that he had to work because he had to keep his business afloat because it had done very well for him he went you know kind of from a high school nobody and there's also a movie about his life called con man and you can see this it's on i saw it i believe on tubi it's on there and maybe some of these other streaming services and there are some recognizable actors in this you have uh Mark Hamill from the Star Wars fame plays his father. Talia Shire, you know, Rocky's wife, she plays uh, his mother. And I think Bing Rames might have a part in it. And Minko himself plays himself in the older version, which more on that in a little bit. But, you know, he started out as kind of a high school nobody geek. 
skinny scrawny kid later discovers working out and steroids and you know buffs up a little bit and suddenly he's got money and girls and popularity you know all led to his downfall later but you know he rose to fame very quickly but very quickly because you know he was illegally installed as a business so to speak being a minor he did face early collapse and some of these scams that he came up with to keep this going were various check kiting schemes and he would steal and sell his mother's grand uh, grandmother's jewelry stole property from other family members and sold them uh, staged some fraudulent bank in, break-ins at his business where he could defraud his uh, business insurance and some various credit card fraud fraudulent charges that he made so very early on he managed to run several frauds to keep this business afloat but during this time minko saw his potential really was in the restoration business you know the big time restoration businesses and properties that are destroyed by floods fires you know things of that nature there's big money in that and he saw that and saw that this was a chance he was going to try to cash in on now of course not legitimately that was not in his nature but he partnered partnered with another con artist to form a fake restoration company so he set one up i think it basically is a branch of z best that they had now moved into the restoration business and this allowed him to get some loans from other companies because they they set it up made it look legit that it was a restoration uh, new restoration company he gets some loans from various different outlets and that allows him to keep z best afloat and even expand and after graduating high school and granted he's done all this up until you know he's not even graduated high school yet but up until then he's worked to keep z best afloat now that he's out of high school he can focus on this full time but despite its early success he continued to have a cash flow problem and you know he did legitimately clean carpets that part of his business was legit now what we'll see later not all of it the way he handled it was nor the restoration business that was completely phony and fake but he did actually have pretty good skill in cleaning carpets and was making good money especially for a young person again started it before he even had his driver's license and you know he managed to become a local celebrity was featured in newspapers television stories at one point i believe he was even on the oprah winfrey show you know really was doing well and becoming popular and seen as his whiz kid but underneath it all like all fraudulent scams and ponzi schemes and things of that sort there's nothing of a real foundation to hold it up so he turned to jack caitlin an la businessman that was known to have mafia ties now they would have some disputes over the loan that he gave him but before it could be settled caitlin died so that kind of settled their dispute so in january of 1986 minko took z best public on nasdaq i mean he went full time becoming a stock traded publicly traded company and he borrowed some fake offices around the area to make it look legit to the accountants potential investors people like that and on paper this instantly made him a multimillionaire you know once it went public and they had the mirage of being this big legit company you know investors came with their checkbooks out and you know this instantly on at least on paper as i said made him a multimillionaire However the company never really performed to the 
you know, level that they were supposed to on the restoration projects. But they were somehow making millions from these because, again, they were not a legitimate restoration company. They were not performing any type of restoration work. You know, as I said a minute ago, the carpet cleaning, for the most part, was legit. He was actually doing some carpet cleaning work. But the restoration business, he did not uh, actually ever perform. And it was just quick, easy money for him. You know, he was able to take the money for projects that he never would actually do or perform. However, it was his past fraud on a small account in the carpet cleaning business that would come back to haunt him. A woman that he had conned out of a job worth just a few hundred dollars tracked down other victims that had been shortchanged, defrauded, things of that sort on his carpet cleaning business. Because even though he was doing legitimate carpet cleaning, he was scamming and, you know, cheating people out of work and money and things like that. Even with that, the guy was just a natural-born huckster. So she reported this to the LA Times, and their story went public. They dug into Mr. Minkow a little deeper and dug into Z-Best and the restoration efforts and things of that sort and found out it wasn't quite all adding up. And when this came public, their story exposing him, this caused his stock to nosedive. Uh, further investigations also revealed he did not even have proper licensing to do the restoration work. Now again, you're talking 1980s, you're talking 35, 36 years ago when this happened and you know, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have smartphones, we couldn't quickly track things down and investigate things like we can now. That's one thing I always try to keep in mind, because when these things come forward, these stories we look into in the past, people say, well, how did they, how were they able to get away with this, da 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 da, da. Well, you know, information didn't travel as quickly as it does now. You know, we are very spoiled in this time that we live in, where we can, we can check on a lot of things now in an instant, where back then you could not. And somehow he was able to, you know, fraudulently set up this company without the proper licensing so he wasn't doing this kind of work which you know for good reason he couldn't he did not have the proper certifications and licensing to even do this kind of work and investors as they do in ponzi schemes they begin to demand their money and this put him at risk he sent out a press release trying to do some damage control but it was to no avail so he resigned as ceo from the company and said it would be forced into bankruptcy. So, literally overnight, he went from whiz kid to, you know, bankrupt, disgraced CEO. Just that quickly, things can change in this country. And Minko and some of his associates were indicted on multiple federal charges. And these charges included racketeering, securities fraud, money laundering, embezzlement, mail fraud, tax evasion, and bank fraud. That's a lot. And he was found guilty on all counts and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. The judge said Minko was a, quote, man without a conscience. Now, most of the time when I do these podcasts, the story ends right here when they go to prison. But, oh, no, not with this cat. A whole lot more to kind of delve into there because his story doesn't quite end there. While he's in prison, he becomes a born-again Christian. As I said before, he was uh, born and raised Jewish. But he becomes a born-again Christian and even becomes involved in various forms of ministry and gets ordained as a pastor. Somehow he manages to get released after only seven and a half years, and he becomes a pastor at Rocky Peak Church in Chatsworth, California. 
and he later would become a pastor at Community Bible Church in Chatsworth, California. And while he worked as a pastor, he also worked for various outlets as a, quote, fraud consultant, which would later be revealed to be a fraud also. So even when he was trying to help people detect and catch fraud, he was doing so fraudulently and scamming them. I mean, this guy is just, you know, one of the most continual ones I've seen just of all the cases we've covered on this podcast. He's one of the most habitual offenders that I've seen that just literally cannot quit scamming from the time he wakes up in the morning till, you know, he closes his eyes and goes to sleep at night. But this would all finally come around him as well. In 2011, he would be brought up on some insider trading charges and a bank fraud conspiracy against his own church. He admitted to embezzling over $3 million from this church. And, you know, this is a sad thing too because the church people trusted him. He really sold them this fraud that he, you know, was reformed and, you know, born again and forgiven. And, you know, I, I believe all that. I believe people can be redeemed and forgiven. You know, God forgives sins, and certainly most of us believe that. But, you know, not everyone who confesses that is legit, and that certainly probably was not the case with him. And a lot of people gave money to support his church and to support his ministry, which he was embezzling and living high on the hog, so to speak. He even defrauded one woman, supposedly out of $75,000 that he told her was going to be gone, going to build a hospital in Sudan and he frauded another member out of about 300,000 that was supposedly going to help raise her granddaughter even so you know again the man just literally as the judge said when you really break it down he did not have a conscience and it's really sad that you know people like this actually do exist out in the world but they do and somehow they manage to a lot of times rise up and get in positions of respect and, and, you know, things of that sort. And they continue to try to, you know, fraud people. And they do. It, it's sad what they're able to get away with. But he was able to do that. And, you know, he whether it be business or ministry, he's able to, you know, to scam people. And this caught up with him, though, as I said. And he was sentenced back to prison in 2014 for five years. And he was also ordered to pay $26 million in restitution, which, you know, we talk about all the time on this podcast. You know, who knows if he'll ever pay it all or even any, you know. I mean, some of these white-collar criminals that we've seen, they might pay back a little bit. A very large amount of them, I would say, probably don't pay back anything. And, you know, few, if any, actually pay back all that the court actually orders them to pay back, you know. And... Restitution, as I said, sometimes is the only thing people have to get, especially in cases where the person doesn't actually do prison time. Now, in his case, he did, but we have had other cases on this podcast where we've covered where the the white-collar offender didn't get any type of prison sentence, and the only justice that people were able to get was in civil court when they get a civil judgment against somebody and get the courts to order the offender to pay a financial, you know, restitution to them or at least they're you know compensated for the harm they've done but uh you know a lot of times people don't get that back as i've said before i don't know that oj simpson ever paid back the massive civil suit that he lost from the golden goldman family following you know the uh, criminal case that he had but you know 
who knows? A lot of times these court cases are ordered by the court, and sometimes they're just not simply carried out. But he was sentenced back to prison, released in 2019. He, you know, his current whereabouts, I'm not sure at this moment, are known. It's not really been said, but I can assure you wherever he's at, he's somewhere out there probably trying to defraud somebody. And, you know, this is one, I think, that, that will be a, an habitual offender till the day he dies. I have no doubt sometime in the future we'll probably be doing a follow-up. I mean, it's 2022 now, so... I guess he's been out of prison probably for roughly three years or so. It's not really been said what he has done. But it was interesting, with that arrest and prison sentence, they had to change the way the movie ended. Because as I said a little bit ago, he played himself. There's a young man that played a younger version of him in the movie, and it's called Con Man. And again, you can find it on Tubi and a lot of these uh, streaming services. Pretty good movie, actually. And uh, he played himself in it, and to be honest with you, which is, you know, he's not a bad actor. Who knows, if he would have applied himself to something like that instead of a con man, he might have been able to do okay. But it's funny that he was arrested and charged during a lot of this, so they had to actually change some of the things in the ending in this movie, you know, because he, you know, there he was trying to play himself as somebody that got out and got clean and redeemed, and... <laughs> He got arrested and locked up before the movie could even be completed and ended. So they had to actually change and alter, alternate the ending a little bit to it. But it is an interesting movie. You know, it does show how he came from, you know, simple, uh, humble roots and, you know, managed to rise up to this whiz kid businessman. And if he, you know, he had some really good business instincts, which these white collar criminals almost always do. But the problem is with him and all the other ones we cover on this show, they don't apply this to any type of legitimate business. They always have to do it the con or the illegal way. They can never, you know, just be satisfied with doing legitimate business and making legitimate money. I mean, he could have made really good money. He was really good at this and probably could have provided himself and his future family uh, with some really good, uh, you know, income over the years. And if he would have done it honestly, but that just, again, never happens because... You know, once they get that dirty, legitimate money and make that, make it fast and easy, the, the hard-won, hard, honest-fought money is just not the same. And, you know, they're they're willing to constantly go over and fight for that uh, quick, easy, illegal dollar rather than work hard for an honest one, you know, and it's just never enough. As I've said, I've quoted on this show many times, you know, the famous quote from the oil tycoon John D. Rockefeller. When asked how much money is enough, he said, one more dollar. You know, and that's just not the case. But, you know, he, he could have probably succeeded in a lot of ways. He, you know, he might have been able to be a successful pastor. You know, he certainly was a charismatic and influential person. He could have used that to influence and help a lot of people. Or, as I said, he could have been a legitimate businessman. He had legitimate business skills. He could have made that carpet cleaning business a, you know, really big success. Or maybe he could have gotten trained and learned licensing and learned how to do restoration the proper legal way and made a lot of money doing that but he always was willing to take the shortcut and do whatever he had to do you know and when you're willing to steal grandma's jewelry and sell it and you know steal from other family members and and profit off that there there's probably not a lot of people that are safe around you and there certainly was not the case with him as we saw nobody was really off limits so who knows his next scam is probably out there waiting somewhere he's out and released now and we'll see where this comes to go at uh you know, I'm sure we're not finished hearing from him yet. Somewhere he'll figure out a way to scam and make somebody else uh, make money off somebody else. It's the only way some of these type of criminals like that can operate. So, and we'll be talking more. Going to follow up on another uh, 
case from a little bit after this time, but some of you may not know of Samuel Israel III, but we're going to talk about his case next. He was a hedge fund manager scammer. And if you uh, like, you can always follow us on our Facebook page. We keep updates about the podcast on our Facebook page, White Collar Crimes. And if you are interested in giving me an idea for the show or coming on the show, you can contact us on our Anchor FM page, which you can also donate to us. We appreciate that. You can uh, also email me if you got an idea or want to be on the show. Uh, email is ryanhornvt at gmail.com. And as I always say, check out my website if you're in need of any type of voiceover services or work like that, ryan-horn.com. be more than glad to help you out with that. And as I always say, you know, if you're looking to get your next best friend, check out your local pet shelter and adopt. Don't shop, as my wife says, because your next best friend is waiting for you there. And there's just so many riches and rewards from that. All three of our dogs and both of our cats are, you know, pet shelter rescues. And the joy they give our lives is just immeasurable. So check that out. And, you know, if that's what you're thinking of doing, certainly, you know, make that happen. I certainly would encourage you to do that. I encourage you to look out for each other. Watch out for the scam artists, especially your elderly friends and family. There's plenty of people out there trying to take advantage of them and all of us. So we appreciate you as always tuning in for us, with us, and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. God bless and take care, everybody.